This is In-Ear Insights, the Trust Insights Podcast. Do you want to understand data science better as a marketer? Would you like to learn whether it's the right choice for your career? Do you need to know how to manage data science employees, vendors, agencies? Take the Data Science 101 workshop from Trust Insights. In this 90-minute on-demand workshop, you'll learn what data science is, why it matters to marketers, and how to embark on your marketing data science journey. You'll learn how to build a KPI map, how to explore and analyze Google Analytics data, how to construct a valid hypothesis, the foundation of marketing data science, the basics of statistical concepts like centrality, distribution, regression, and clustering, which if you don't know what those words mean, you will, uh, essential soft skills in data science, and how to hire marketing data science professionals or agencies. The course is on demand, so you can watch it whenever you want. You don't have to be at any place at any time. Uh, and it comes with the videos, the audio recording, PDF of the slides, automated transcript, KPI map example, and a sample workbook with data because this is hands-on. You get to try some of the stuff out. If this sounds good, just head on over to trustinsights.ai slash data science 101. That's trustinsights.ai slash data science 101. In this week's In-Ear Insights, we are talking all things community, community management, why they exist, what to and not to do. So Katie, start us off even having some thoughts about digital communities and communities in general, but obviously with you know current circumstances, more of our communities are, are digital than not. Yeah, you know, we were talking last week about um, communities and I had mentioned uh, the Peloton community. So I'm one of the, you know, thousands of people during the pandemic who got a Peloton because I just didn't feel safe going back to the gym, even though they had reopened at one point. And what I quickly realized is why Peloton is such like a cult following in the community. And a lot of it is around the inclusivity and not the like, hey, you're one of us, you belong. But there really is a something for everybody. And so over the weekend, I did what they call your century. And so it's your 100th you know, act of whatever thing it is you do, whether it's running or strength training. And so I was on the bike and they immediately sent me an email and they were like, here's a code for your free t-shirt that says you get the century club. And I was like, you know, this is all really nice because you get a little badge on your bike. And so it's like, it's that continued motivation to keep you bringing back. And then obviously you can like ride with your friends and, you know, chat with people on social media. But then it also, the other side of it got me thinking that a lot of communities get it wrong because you, at the core of it, the purpose of a community is we're all just looking for some place where we belong and we can fit in and we can find people of our own. And so, you know, it's sort of, it started me thinking even back all the way to like, you know, high school and middle school and elementary school, when you're trying to find those little cliques of people that you belong with, and it's really difficult to do. And some of us still feel like we haven't quite found, quote unquote, our people. And I'm I'm definitely one of those people who I'm still sort of like swimming around trying to figure it out. I mean, we have our own Slack community, Analytics for Marketers. And I'll be honest, sometimes I feel like I don't even belong there because I a lot of the feedback I get from other people is I don't feel smart enough to ask a question. So I just lurk. And so that to me says that we're not doing the right thing to make people feel welcome and to make people feel comfortable just being a part of the community. And so it just, it made me start to think about the do's and don'ts of having a community or even being a participant in a community and, you know, sort of what 
What is the goal of having community? So it just brought up all these questions for me. Chris, what do you think? It's interesting because there's, there are so many ways to do communities right and wrong, like you were saying. Um, you know, I belong to a huge number of just these offshoot niche communities. You know, I've got like 20 or so Slack instances and 30 some odd Discord servers that I'm a member of. And yeah, some of them definitely more than others have that uh, a sense of, yeah, these are, are people that I choose to spend time with willingly, right? Because there's always those folks that, you know, you have to be in a community because of work or something just to just see what's going on. But then there's what you do in your free time. And the things that stand out to me that well-run communities do is there's a sense of uh, egalitarianism, right? That no one person is more important than others. Um, there are obviously, you know, community managers and moderators who keep the trains on the rails, Um the best communities are, I think, almost like benevolent dictatorships in some ways. There's a clear purpose. And then there's very strong moderation to keep bad actors from being bad actors. You know, the communities I've been in that have turned toxic didn't have that moderation, right? You know, bad actors got away with bad stuff and it it doesn't take much to, to cause harm to community, right? It's, it's like... Uh, you know, you don't need to drink a gallon of cyanide to kill yourself. Just a little bit will do. Uh, and the same is true with communities. There's, there's, it doesn't take much to ruin one. Uh, it just takes an un, one unchecked bad actor to to sort of poison the well, as it were. Um, and it's interesting because that need to belong is physically wired into us. Like we are, we are tribal creatures, um, and that's just sort of a natural thing we do because as animals, we kind of suck individually. We're, we're not particularly well-armed or well-armored, you know? Uh, so our, our only advantage is that we can think and we act in packs. And so biologically, we have that need to belong. Well, and think about, you know, all those different communities you belong to. So there's, you know, no shortage of Slack communities or Facebook groups or Discord communities or, you know, Twitter Clubhouse groups. Chat rooms. Or, or exact, <laughs> but... So there's no shortage of places. So what you could say to someone like me, like, you know, why do you feel like you can't find your people? You know, why do you feel like you can't, you haven't found like that right group? And I think one of the things that, at least from my perspective, that communities get wrong is, yeah, I can join any Slack group I want. I can join any Discord group I want. That doesn't mean that I belong there or I'm welcomed you know, they might have that automated bot that says, you know, welcome, Katie, please introduce yourself. But then if nobody engages with me, if I ask questions and nobody responds, if I'm trying to jump into a conversation and I accidentally kill the conversation, like I no longer feel like I belong in that community. And it's kind of that sad experience of like, okay, am I just sort of being like ignored until I leave this group because I don't belong? Or is it really just a function of how the community is set up and run that there's really no good moderation nobody continuing to engage all the all of the people some way or another and i think that i've seen it you know both sides and i've definitely had both kinds of experiences a lot of the things that when you're talking about the the essence of community in a lot of ways you're talking about emotional fulfillment in some way right this this community gives you something that you're missing in your life uh and or it also reinforces the things that you value about yourself right if we look at you know uh 
uh, I hate to drag us there, but if you look at politics, right, and just how strongly people feel about their group, whatever mm -hmm. their group is, mm -hmm. um, it is that it's so strong that it has become part of their identity. Like that is where that's that's sort of like the the apex of community. When you've done such a good job that this becomes part of your identity, it's then very difficult to dislodge. You know, as as someone who's an avid Peloton fan, right? You know, when you start wearing the swag and you start, you know, having the 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 jargon and the lingo that only other mm -hmm. people in the community have, you have that this shift in who you are and who you mm -hmm. believe yourself to be, and that sort of is the 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 pinnacle of community expression. Now, the challenge is obviously that gets very dangerous, as we saw have seen, you know. In the last years, years really, with politics, that can become very toxic if it's mismanaged, unintentionally or intentionally. Um, but yeah, it's it's that emotional fulfillment, that sense of connection. And one of the things that, you know, let's let's point the finger at ourselves. One of the things that I think that we get wrong with analytics for marketers is that there isn't a water cooler. There isn't a sort of a general. Let's just you know have BS. You know what music you're listening to and things like that. It's a very focused mm -hmm. community, so it has utility. But it doesn't have emotional connection because there is no place for people to just talk about fluffy stuff. I was thinking that exact same thing as I was thinking through this idea of, you know, what communities do right and what communities do wrong. And we really have limited people down to what they're allowed to do within the community. And that that is probably a big reason why we don't get more engagement or people who are continually asking questions. So that's something I definitely want us, you and I, to explore, you know, this year is to how can we strengthen our community and make people feel a little bit more welcome. And, you know, our conversation last week about Peloton is what made me think of this because you had made, you know, sort of the tongue in cheek comment of, you know, cults are really hard to build. But in some ways, you know, Peloton is a great example because it does have a cult following. And there really is a little bit of something for everyone. You have, you know, your strength, your bike, your walking, your running, your meditation, your yoga, like sort of any level of fitness. And even if you go into a class with a more advanced instructor, the first thing they do is talk through, if you're a beginner, this is how you can also participate. This is for everybody. So the, the messaging within it is all very, they try really hard to make sure everybody feels like what they're doing is achievable. And I feel like not, you know, we in Slack groups don't do that same thing. And so it was that idea of how do we take this model that obviously didn't spring up overnight, it's been grown over a number of years and start to replicate that in other places because it's obviously working for them and what can we learn from that? And I think you're right. We need to think about like, are people coming there because they want to be around similar minded people? Are people coming there because they only want to talk about analytics and marketing or are people coming there so that they can sort of like blow off some steam and share some puppy photos with people who might also enjoy them. So I think that there's a lot of work for us to do in order to make this a more welcoming and friendly um, community. And, you know, it's, it does kind of, it's, it's kind of a bummer that right now with the pandemic, you know, most communities are kind of forced to be online because I'm someone who doesn't want to be online more than I have to be, but it's the only place where I can find other people to connect with. And I think one of the things that 
at least the better communities I'm, I'm in, the ones I spend more time in have is, you know, they have a tremendous number of channels within that community. Um, you know, even if you look at the Trust Insights, the our internal Slack, there's way more channels than there, quote, needs to be for a business, right? You know, we have now playing the stuff, you know, we're watching and listening. We have random quotes board. Uh, we have, you know, where am I, you know, social good stuff. So there's a lot of things that our expressions essentially of ourselves in my one of my discord servers there is you know a watch party channel there's music games pets you know there's this, there literally is a channel just for pets photos because people were sharing them so frequently in other channels that the moderators were like all right look guys we need to put this in like one spot so they just created a pets channel mm -hmm. and the advantage of that is not only a chance for members to self-express right emotionally uh but it then helps you build those strong common ground links. Oh, you have that, a dog just like mine. Or, oh, we listen to the same kinds of music. Or, oh, I didn't even know that this kind of music was a thing. You know, I found this this uh, odd sort of you know, metal alternative uh, rock group in, in one of these communities. Like, oh, that's actually a pretty cool group. Um, and the more contextually appropriate, you know, values appropriate opportunities you have in a community for somebody to connect the easier it is for people to forge those strong connections because they see oh this is something i'm interested in you know and another one of my discord servers we have a fitness channel it's just like here's you know the things we're, we're trying um uh, I, i'm currently leading uh an eight week sort of yoga thing um with the help of some apps and stuff so there's all these different things that you can offer particularly in a pandemic right and in a digital age where it gives people a chance to they're there for that central purpose, whatever the stated purpose of the community mm -hmm. is, but then it gives them the ability to learn more about their fellow community members and find those common grounds. That's whenever you look on LinkedIn, there's always those jerks who are just like, yeah, I'm here to, you know, add you to my professional network. And there's, <laughs> oh, I hate those. Please stop pitching me those things. I don't want to just randomly show up in your network. I know that that, that didn't happen. <laughs> but that's sort of like that very shallow level of of networking whereas when you talk to somebody about your dogs or the music you're listening to or the the cryptocurrency you're investing in you mm -hmm. have the opportunity to do that real network that real oh i want to get to know this person they seem like they are an interesting person i want to hang out with so let me ask you this question chris because it's sort of it's not that it's counterintuitive to the work that we do, but it, I don't think it's what we're known for is sort of that human to human connection. Where does automation fit in and where does automation get in the way of building a community? Um, the easiest way I would say is that there are certain things that are process-based, like welcome messages, rules, things like that, that are important that the automation can serve to make sure everyone has the same consistent onboarding experience, right? Just like a, any any company. Um, and automation's real advantage is in the monitoring, right? Um, community moderators cannot be on 24-7. They shouldn't be. Um, and uh, in some of the largest communities, they actually do have shifts, like moderators have shifts um, to, mm -hmm. to, to make sure that somebody's always around in case a member needs help. Uh, but automation can help with a lot of that. If you have um, a, a known list of you know terms that you prefer to not see mentioned in your community, right? You know, you know, bots can monitor for that and alert a moderator immediately. Like, hey, you know, somebody just said you know this racial slur, even in jest. It's, it's still one of those things. Like, ah, nope, can't, not here. You know, that's that's not okay. And 
really giving you more insights and collecting the data about your community. One of the th signs of a, I think of a very healthy community is that it is around the clock, right? It's there, there's somebody always on people always talking about something uh, sometime. One of my discord servers, <clears throat> there's 400 people in the community. So about a third of the size of analytics for marketers. Uh, there's literally five or six people actively talking any time of day because you log in the first thing in the morning like you know you missed 900 messages like holy crap you guys <laughs> chill but people in malaysia in japan in australia are kept going on to their day and they have their their group um you know when you look at analytics for marketers as, as our example it's pretty quiet outside of working hours is that okay mm -hmm. yes right now um but if we want to you know this is one of the things to weigh in your community strategy if you want to build that strong community, you also have to acknowledge that it's going to be something that bleeds outside of work hours. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. I also think in terms of automation, you know, I think that there are ways to keep people engaged where you include some of that automation. Um, you know, hey, we haven't heard from you in a while. Everything okay? Just sort of like those automated check-ins or, you know, you've been a member for 100 days. Congratulations. Here's a little you know, 100 day gift or something, you know, for you, you know, just to sort of remind people like, we value you, you're part of this community. And it, in some ways, it is a little bit like just that participation trophy for showing up. But sometimes showing up, you know, is half the battle. And I think that some of the thing with communities is there's this expectation of, if you join, you have to do all the work to become part of that community. And I think communities need to sort of meet people where they are and help draw them in. So if I join a community and the only message I ever get from it is, you know, welcome from the welcome bot and nobody else or any, like, hey, we saw you stopped in or anything like that, then it's sort of a flat, you know, gray experience. Whereas if there is a community member, a uh, manager or a team, or even just sort of ambassadors in there who are like, hey, it looks like we have a whole bunch of new people. Welcome, you know, just like, hey, I haven't heard from you yet. Do you have any questions? Like anything like you, you're doing half the work. So don't expect your members to show up and do all of the work to become engaging members. Like you have to pull them in, give them a reason to continue to be there. Yep. Um, you know, and some other obvious things in one of my other servers, there's a, a channel just for biographies, like people can put their biography. And then, you know, as you interact with somebody, you can go into the biographies channel and go, oh, you know, if, if the person has posted a bio, you can read more about them, uh, you know, get a sense of who they are, where they spend their time and things like that. But you're right. Re communities are, are really no different than any other human relationship, right? It's give and take. It has to be an equal mm -hmm. partnership if you want to be successful in the long term. And, you know, it, as we've been talking, you know, shame on us for not making it more like that in our own Slack groups. So we have some work to do there. Mm -hmm. I, I want you to dig in a bit more, though, on this idea of, you know, we're not necessarily known for uh, human to human stuff. How do we unpack that and, and, and pivot on that? Because I would argue we're half known for that, namely you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm known for the machinery. Well, you know, I think part of that is that you're known and I am unknown. And so I think there's this also sort of public perception. And so, you know, the other sort of, you know, and this please with a grain of salt, is not an, oh, woe is me. Like here's my childhood traumas, you know, commentary. It's more the, you know, when I walk into a room, the first thing people ask is about you. And so it's, 
we could be known more for the human if there was more of an opportunity for me to engage within communities and promote that. And that's, you know, that's on me to find those communities to spread that message. And it's something that I've been working on and trying to do. I, anyone who knows me really well knows that I am very much an introvert and very much like the shy kid. I don't want to do a lot of the talking. That makes it really difficult when the only thing you really have to work with are digital communities. And if the community is not set up in such a way that you feel like it's a you know, safe, positive space for you to not immediately be judged or immediately get backlash if you misstep and say something that's even slightly the wrong thing to say, then it's really hard. Whereas I think the other side of that, Chris, is you are a very well-known entity in the digital space and it almost feels like you can walk into any room and people are like, oh, it's Chris Penn. I know exactly who he is, what he stands for. Nobody has to really question that. But you've also been working really hard at that for the past 15, 20 years, whereas I am newer to the space. And so I have a lot of work to do. And so it's easier for you to walk into a community and say, hi, I'm Chris Penn. Here's my five books. Here's my 200,000 blog posts that I've written, you know, and people immediately know who you are. Whereas, you know, that, and that's more of the AI data analytics side, whereas more of the human organizational behavior connection side is the stuff that I do. People are like, cool, I don't know who you are. Oh, you work with Chris Penn. Yeah, so how do we, how do you pivot that? Like, how, you know, obviously it, I think the easiest place to start is in like a community that you own, right? Mm -hmm. um, there are 1500 some odd people in analytics for marketers. Uh, right. What's what do you think our game plan is? A to to bring that balance to the human and the machine side, mm -hmm. um, and, and and how do we achieve those that those different goals that we have with the community, and also make the community more valuable, make it more vibrant. Mm -hmm. I think some of it has to be consistency, and so more consistent posting, more consistent sharing of information from authored by both of us, authored by me, authored by you, authored by Trust Insights collectively, I think that there needs to be more of that consistently so that people can start to see both voices. Um, you know, a lot of the questions we get in the community are more technical. So maybe there's an opportunity for a less technical channel, more of that, you know, not humans in marketing, but more of that human organizational behavior side of marketing that isn't strictly about which algorithm should I be using to analyze my data. So I think that there's a lot of different ways to approach it. And, you know, yes, you know, I own the community, you own the community. We also don't want it to be such that only you and I can ever ask questions in the community. And I think that that's something that we haven't done a great job of is letting other people know like, hey, it's okay for you to start those general questions. Um, I think a really good example of, of a community that does kind of run around the clock is our friend, Jenny Dietrich. She has the Spin Sucks community. And you know you can see that it's fairly active all day long from a lot of different voices, um, even on weekends, even you know overnight, people are asking questions. And it's not just Ginny who owns the community who's asking these questions. Most of the time she's responding to questions. She's, you know, introducing other people. And I think that that's an example of a smaller community that's done really well, where people feel like I can talk and engage all the time. 
I think another great one is the the content marketing world, the CMI Slack. You know, they have daily questions that are asked in the entire channel. Jeremy Bednarski does that. Um, you know, and some some questions get a lot more responses than others, but there's no backlog of questions you can ask people. And they have you know regularly scheduled activities. They have a Twitter chat every Tuesday at noon, mm-hmm. um, and it's actually a really good way for them to attract new members to their community as well as get their existing communities involved. They have book chats with noted authors and things. So. It, again, it, it always reminds me of like my parents' retirement community. Like, you know, there's bingo on Tuesday nights and things. But those consistent mm-hmm. practices, like you said, consistency and, and activity, uh, as much as I despise the phrase in the sales context, I believe it's true in a community management context. Activity begets activity. Um, doing stuff gets other people to realize it's okay to do stuff. And, um, you know, I think having a lot of those different hooks in, uh, creating opportunities for people to engage um, is definitely one of the things that can that can be helpful you know um, we've do- we've talked a lot about things we've never actually fully defined the community management role and it might be time to do that I think it might be so to wrap up communities not just a, yet another marketing buzzword and much more like a relationship you want to build with a whole bunch of people um, and as with any relationship you give as much as you take uh, if you want to be successful in the long term if you got questions about any of this stuff you want to have you have suggestions about hey here's something that i would like to see in the trust insights community pop on over to trustinsightsai slash analytics for marketers if you'd like to uh somewhat gently tell us everything we're doing wrong that's the best place to do it we can uh, take it always. it's okay <laughs> <laughs> and as always no matter where you're listening to or watching this episode uh please stop by trustinsights.ai slash ti podcast you can subscribe to the show in all kinds of different places and we'll talk to you folks soon take care bye want help solving your company's data analytics and digital marketing problems visit trustinsights.ai today and let us know how we can help you